can take on the fucking world right now. This isn't that hard. Do you know Raleigh Fingers? He pitched for the A's. No. Well, I'm the spitting image of him. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Friend Request, a podcast where we discuss relationships and video games. I'm Colin Detmar from Scanline Media. And I'm Jennifer Uncle, also from Scanline Media. So, as is usually the case, this week we have two pairings for you, and I'm going to first bring to you uh, the pairing of Johnny Gat and the boss from Saints Row 2. And I, if you're familiar with Saints Row, you may be wondering how this is worth talking about. Because while Saints Row can be pretty funny, I don't know that it's a home of incredible character development, right? It's mostly a showcase of ridiculous set pieces and over-the-top jokes. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that's that's mainly, like, so there have been, um, I mean, I guess you can say there have been five Saints Row games. I don't really think Gat Out of Hell counts that much, but yeah, technically it does. Um and the thing that's interesting about the relationship between Johnny Gat and the boss is sort of the the narrative problem they came into. In the very first Saints Row, um, you're just some like some like create a character off the street who gets tangled up in in gang violence and beca- and starts working for the Saints. Right, you become a member of the the is it Seventh Street Saints? I don't I thought remember. It was third. It, yeah, you're right. It's Third Street Saints. I'm mixing up with something else. And you are sort of pretty quickly put under, like, you, you work for the various uh, sub-bosses, but you're sort of brought under the wing of Johnny Gat pretty early on. Because it's like, oh, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to shoot people, and who better to learn from from Johnny Gat? He's crazy. He's a wild, violent guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, they're, you know, the other sub-bosses sort of represent different... <sighs> I mean, they're, di- they're different tropes of, of gang members, but, like, Johnny Gat is the closest to being the player character, that he's just like, let me find a problem, and then I will shoot everyone between me and the problem. And the first game, like, sets him up to be kind of like this, this, like, teacher figure, om- like, almost like an idol. It's just sort of like, this is what you want to be. This is this is the goal, is you're going to be like Johnny Gat one day, right? And then it's sort of interesting, because by the end of that game, you know, you you have murdered a whole lot of people, and thus have, have more status. Um, and then you get set up to take a fall. And Saints Row 2 starts, and you break out of prison and reform the Saints. And it's kind of interesting, because at that point, your character still has a lot of, a lot of like, you know, you and Johnny Gat are now really good friends, but he's still sort of more, he's more the, the like, walking disaster, like, just hurricane on, on legs. <laughs> um, and you're, like, you're close to that, right? You're not quite on his level, maybe? But you're you're pretty close to the same. But when it comes time to lead the Saints, it's like, well, listen, like Johnny Gat's got veterancy, and he's you know, he he's he's a human apocalypse. But you've got the charisma, so I guess you should be leader, right? And you do like end up giving him some some orders, but it feels more like like advice, right? Like you don't totally feel like his boss in that. He feels pretty uh, pretty on the same level as you. So you mostly just sit back and let him do his thing while you take care of Saints business. Right, you kind of tell him, like, oh, Johnny, there's this problem. And he's like, all right, I'll see you when everyone involved with that problem is dead. Um, <laughs> and you help him a few points. But, like, there's this there's this sort of this position of you two being equals. 
And then you go into Saints Row 3, and the sort of a relationship continues to evolve to a point where now Johnny Gad is fully, like, he's one of your more trusted subordinates, but he's fully one of your subordinates, right? And that's when they kill him off in the in the series. Uh, Johnny Gat, like, the beginning of Saints Row 3, he, like, hijacks a plane to keep it from crashing into all of you and, you know, let you all get away. And the plane crashes and explodes and you hold a funeral for Johnny Gat. And it's a good moment for a character that was running out of steam, right? Like... He's kind of funny and fun, but there's not much to him other than being really flip about how many people he murders. And it was a really good way to get one last bit of narrative bang out of Johnny Gat before uh, before he had to go away. Yeah, and uh, when you mentioned that he's focused on so much... He's basically a carbon copy of the character in a few ways. There's only so far you can take that ultra-violence thing when everything around you is more or less on the same level or is getting increasingly wilder. Exactly. And so it was a really, like, frankly, it was a really elegant solution, which you wouldn't expect from, from Saints Row, but it worked really well. And, you know, it gives you a motive to be personally invested in the, the campaign. And, and you're like, man, I miss Johnny Gat. But, like, if Johnny Gat was there, you'd realize actually you don't miss him. You only miss him because he's gone. <laughs> and this becomes clear in Saints Row 4 where they bring him back. They retcon in the most, like, Saints Row 4 has a relationship with the timeline and continuity of Saints Row where they are kind of openly mocking the concept of continuity frankly, where it's like, it's not... When I say retcon, a lot of the time, I'm saying like, oh, they went back on something they wrote before, and that's kind of lame, right? And a lot of the time, I think that's true, and it is kind of true here, but, like, it's also kind of the point how lame it is. It's like, oh, no, I was about to crash the plane, and then I got abducted by aliens and trapped in a simulation, and it's like, okay, sure, (laughs) great. (laughs) So, Johnny Gad is back and forth, you rescue him, and suddenly things get awkward and you're like oh right we got rid of him because his identity was that he's just this you know as i say like this 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 blender on legs and two of those doesn't really do much he just doesn't stand out there's a really good moment in four like they have mass effect style like loyalty missions right and his is really good, mostly just because Saints Row, as it often does, does a really good choice of music. It's, like, right after you get Johnny Gat back, and then you have a mission to go do this, like, side quest, where the side quest is really boring, right? You're just shooting your way through hordes of enemies. and But, like, that's sort of the point to both you and jo- to both the boss and Johnny Gat. It's, like, a, a really trivial activity, and you're just sort of gunning your way through and talking and catching up and having a good time while Thin Lizzy, the boys are back in town, plays. Oh, wow. And it's just a really good moment of just like, oh, man, yeah, like, your your best friend is back, and, like, isn't it great? And then, like, he kind of doesn't have anything to do for the rest of the game. I just thought it was an interesting, like, example of sort of both the arc of the writing in those games and the way the scale ramped up, which is, like, you know, he starts out being this, like, this thing to aspire to, and then your equals, and then you've kind of surpassed him, and then they just don't know what to do anymore. And that feels a lot like the tonal arc overall of Saints Row. Like, the first one had these aspirations of being this this great game, and frankly, Saints Row Run is not very good. Saints Row 2 starts to figure out, 
what is special about that series. And Saints Row 2 is like has a lot of rough patches, but I think it's a cool game. Saints Row 3 is where the series really hits its stride and really is just firing on all cylinders and is a really fun, smart, funny game. And then Saints Row 4 tries to go for a little more extra and, in my opinion, kind of fumbles it a bit because it's just trying too hard. So, huh. And how do you feel about Get Out of Hell? Get Out of Hell is not very good. Um, I mean, it's it's, you know, a piece of DLC that was expanded into a full game. Like, it was made after THQ went under. It feels like they're just trying to get, like, one more... Like, honestly, it felt like Deep Silver was trying to get one more Saints Row game out of them when they didn't want to make any more. It feels like there are some cool ideas in Get Out of Hell, but it doesn't feel like it's it's fully developed and doesn't really feel like their hearts were in it to me. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, and also, I mean, the point of Get Out of Hell is that you're playing... As Johnny Gat, you're th- this time you're Johnny Gat trying to rescue the boss, and it's really like he's just not that interesting of a character when you're playing from his perspective. The boss was this character that was like a really interesting mix of like depending on who he was with, he was either or he or she. I actually did usually female boss um, was the straight man or kind of like the wacky joker. Like there were characters who you were with and you were constantly like, what are you talking about? This is all ridiculous. And then like a different cutscene would happen and you would be the one that everyone would be like, what are you doing? But it like the way they wrote it really worked. And it was this really dynamic character. Um, and Johnny Gat does not have a lot of dynamicness to him. So, hmm. so that's Johnny Gat and the boss. Okay. So today I thought we could talk about, Henry and Delilah from Overwatch. Uh... From Firewatch. Oh, from Fire. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Henry and Delilah from from Firewatch. I love her ult. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, Henry starts the game in a pretty bad spot. His longtime wife has come down with dementia or a form of Alzheimer's, which kind of struck personally to me since. Multiple members of my family have dealt with Alzheimer's themselves, and uh, his solution for that is going out into Shoshone National Forest and becoming one of the Firewatch over there for the summer. And he ends up linking up with Delilah, another Firewatch employee that's all the way on the other side of the park. And together, the two of them do whatever they can, more or less, to... They do whatever they can to keep themselves occupied and not thinking about the world outside. And at the beginning, it's pretty innocuous. They come down hard on a series of campers that are littering and causing trouble. But over time, it starts to take on this more sinister atmosphere as they come back to their cabins and find the place trashed or they get attacked at random points and they start building this conspiracy theory they try to unravel these weird documents that they find in a abandoned research center and it seems like they're either being hunted or observed in some way and it all comes to a head when they continue down this rabbit hole getting more and more manic they 
some of the ideas that they start bouncing off each other sound downright like a science fiction novel or the novels that are strewn about the park by Richard Sturgeon. Hmm. And at some points they end up spelunking into a cave, or at least Henry does, and they find something down there that makes everything... that kind of brings the whole story back to Earth, and they more... they... seeing this... seeing this tragic event that happened long before they came over there gets them thinking about why they're here in the first place. And... For Henry, it makes him realize that he never should have left Delilah. He never should have left his wife in the first place. He should be back at her side while she figures out how to deal with this onset dementia. And he essentially essentially realizes that the way him and Delilah were constructing this narrative together occasionally even flirting with one another, was just they were pushing off some hard realities about... some hard truths about their own reality. And at the end of the game, there's this sense that even if... even if the story isn't entirely satisfying in its closure to the person playing it, it's not meant to be. It's meant to be this harsh wake-up call, this cold bucket of water on the faces of both of these characters as they realize that they should be elsewhere and should stop trying to escape from their problems and just deal with them head-on. Mm-hmm. And I found that that was a very sweet way for that particular, for their particular stories to go. Most of these stories would end up either with them discovering an actual conspiracy and working to resolve it together or something a lot more tragic, but it instead it felt low-key and almost disappointing in a way that felt very close to real life. Yeah, I have my own beef of with, with parts of the, the resolution of that, but that's that's not as germane to the relationship, which I thought was just sort of a good, like, yeah, I mean, you, you in the beginning you sort of framed it as, as Henry's... Henry's uh, solution to the situation is to to go join the Firewatch, and I don't know that even he thinks of it as a solution. He just he just kind of wants to get away from it. Um, you know, it's it's he's going to have to come back, or he's going to have to do something else. He's not going to be a Firewatcher forever. He's just like, I can't stay here. Um, and I don't, I I find that I did find that relationship pretty pretty relatable and human because it's just like people needing time to think about problems which is not a thing we see a lot in video games it's just these people being like i need some space i need some some time and i need to to figure out how i feel about all of this you know yeah and they bond in some cute ways like leaving books for each other within the lock boxes and putting on radio plays for one another while they're standing on either side of the park up above yeah it was a it was definitely a cute relationship and i like uh, no, it's I. Hey, you know, as usual, spoilers, right? Um, but at the end, you don't 
meet Delilah. You end up going to Delilah's uh, Firewatch Tower, but she's already gone. Um, and, like, I feel like a lot of people were thinking this would end with you, like, meeting Delilah and having this moment. And I'm just, I'm really glad it didn't. Because I just, I feel like that would have taken a lot of the... I don't, I don't see how you can do that well. I think it's way more important just for these characters to have their, their time to think and then, and then come to their own conclusions. And it's not, it's not about like this, this relationship might continue. They might like send letters or visit each other afterwards, but it's not about that. You know, it's about the summer they had, right? Yeah. They resisted the temptation to add closure to what happened. It's, it's one. It's another bullet point in a long line of moments for both of them, where things aren't always going their best, but they find a way forward regardless. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. I think that's it for this episode of uh, Friend Request. If you want to find us on iTunes, we are there. Our rating or review would be greatly appreciated. If you want to tell a friend, also, it's a it's a short little podcast on purpose. We try to make it bite sized and digestible, so that you know. It doesn't feel like a huge commitment to listen to an episode. Um, we're coming out every Wednesday, so you can look forward to another one next Wednesday. If you have any like ideas for what we should be covering, you can find me on Twitter at, at 6264. And Jen, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at JBU3. <laughs> but two ads, I guess. It. Yeah, so questions or comments or like, hey, you guys should really cover this game or these characters... We are we are totally happy to hear that stuff. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to Krista Lee for use of her track Hearts Burning Bright off of her album Welcome to the Fantasy Zone. You can find that album and also other works of Krista Lee's at obformpup.bandcamp.com. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.